coaching is conversation. Conversation is leadership. Let your people experience the personal support and the caring energy of your coaching. In this podcast, you will learn five essential steps you can use today to power up the energy and impact of your coaching conversations. Listen then as Rhonda and Dale demonstrate what a powerful coaching conversation looks like. Welcome to Conversations for Fearless Leaders, hosted by Dale Lachlan of Trinidad and Tobago and Rhonda York of the United States. Join us in our second podcast series as we explore how coaching is an essential skill leaders need to embrace as a powerful leadership strategy. We will cover how you can use coaching to catalyze change as well as accelerate employee and team performance. Listen as we share impactful tools and tips that you can use to immediately enhance your style of leadership. Come journey with us as we share insights and stories drawn from our combined 40 years of experience in business and corporate leadership and as executive coaches. We hope you enjoy the journey. So Dale, I know that last week that you and I talked about what is coaching in that podcast, and we described it as a leadership style that's different from advising, teaching, mentoring, and sometimes we know there can be overlaps in those different styles, but the focus in the coaching conversation is entirely on the performer and more of a specific performance or issue versus trying to fix or coach them on the whole thing. So we talk about the support they need, the possible changes. Those are the kind of things that come up in a coaching conversation. So first of all, if I'm the leader, my first act is to observe the employee performance and try to understand the situation to determine if this is calls for coaching, advising, telling, whatever it might be. And so I think you mentioned early on about five essential steps. So let's quickly go through what those five steps would be. And it's not necessarily do step one, do step two, But all these things are integrated when we think about a coaching conversation. So where where would we start if we wanted to do a coaching conversation with one of our team members? I think where we start is with preparation. Step one, clarify your intention for the coaching conversation as a leader. What is your purpose? What do you want to make possible in this coaching conversation? How do you want your employee or performer to experience you in that conversation? And then importantly, what story do you want them to tell themselves and others after the coaching is finished? Step one. Great. And part of, and I guess we can call this step two, but when we're doing that, clarifying it, we also want to make sure that there's some psychological safety there in doing the conversation. And that's where I believe that trust, 
transparency when you talk about intent, that's where the second step to open with trust, how psychological safety would be important in setting that coaching conversation for a leader. Then what? So we've got intent, clarity. We want it to be trusting, psychological safety. Then what? Right. So now you understand why you're having the conversation and the performer understands as well. Third thing would be then to listen. Listen to connect and understand with your performer, to find out what's going on from their perspective. Also to ask questions that will help you to understand even more deeply, reveal the hidden meaning as your performer feels safe. She or he, they're going to start feeling more and more comfortable about revealing to you exactly what's going on. And it's really the sincerity of your listening, the openness with which you approach the situation without judgment that's going to make this coaching experience a uniquely energizing one for the performer. So when you are asking these questions and you talk about listening, I think as a leader, I need to make sure that I go in and that I'm really listening and I'm engaged in what the person is saying so that I'm not going in with the intent that I know the answer, I know what needs to be done, because I may not have all the information with what I've observed or even the reason that I think a coaching conversation is necessary. So I need to understand and notice and want the employee to notice how engaged I am, that I'm really listening to them and that I'm hearing and I'm staying in the present moment. And I would want to add to that, that we're not doing a list of things at one time, because I think that can be distracting and take us off track, that we're really focusing on maybe a specific performance issue, so to say, that we want to focus on in this coaching conversation. What do you think about that? Yeah, because you would have determined beforehand why you were having the conversation, what was the intent behind it, what was the outcome that you were expecting. And that really helps you during the conversation to stay present and engaged with your performer, to stay present and engaged throughout the conversation, kind of testing to make sure that the trust that you worked so hard at the beginning to create stays throughout the conversation because it's so easy for the trust to, 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 um, to disappear. And really understanding that trust is a, it acts like a catalyst because it ignites in the performer that ability to gain new insights, to think differently, and to want to partner. And those are really the results you want to get from the coaching experience. Yes. And so when we're talking about questions and clarifying and being engaged, I think we also need to make sure in a coaching conversation, what the employee team member, whatever title that you're putting on them, make sure you get their thoughts. And that's part of the asking questions. And 
I like to even, instead of suggesting next steps as a leader, to ask them what they see as their next step. So again, it's still more questions, but we're clarifying, I guess, the value, the results that we really want because of this coaching conversation. So not only asking what they see as their next steps, but what support do they need from me as their leader and the organization? Because again, that's where the trust and the safety comes in is to know that they're not out there on their own. We have their back. We are supporting them. But I need you to tell me what you think you need versus me micromanaging them and saying, this is what I'll do and it'll go this way. So that's just my thoughts on how I see this happening. Right. So it all um, we've got five steps there, five steps around clarifying your intention, opening with trust and transparency, listening to connect and understand and ask questions that reveal hidden meaning, staying present and engaged throughout the conversation, and then ending by clarifying the value that the performer has received from the coaching conversation, what their next steps might be, and what support they need you to provide so that you're closing the conversation then as you started with trust and transparency around what happens next. So how about if we practice? So what do you think? You want to be the employee, the person, the coach, and I'll try my skill sets at coaching here? Well, let's see. Here's here's a situation we could look at. So I'm a high potential contributor to the department's results. I've been with the organization. I've been in this department for, for several years, and I'm respected for my knowledge and overall expertise. And over the last three years, what has happened is I've really become a go-to person for loads of people. I've become a go-to person for senior management, for pairs, even for colleagues in other departments. So Rhonda, you're my leader. And you're acknowledging my expertise and you're encouraging me. But recently, though, you're getting a bit concerned. You're noticing that I'm working longer hours. I have been for several weeks now. You're observing too the number of ad hoc requests that I'm receiving. And you're becoming a little curious as to the impact that they may be having on my productivity. You know, though, that I'm not going to complain. You know that I've not really missed any deadlines and my work quality remains at a high level but you're a little concerned and you decide to have a chat with me. Hmm. Sounds like a very common situation. All right. Are you ready, Dale? You want to jump in? Let's try. Dale, good to see you again today. Busy as always. Do you have a few minutes? I have something I'd like to talk to you about that's given me a little bit of concern. Is this a good time for you? Yeah. Um, it seems it, it's okay now. I've got a few things that I've got to finish up by the end of the day. And then a few minutes ago, I just got another request again from the accounts department. But yeah, let's 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 take some time now, Rhonda. 
Well, and what you just mentioned is exactly something that I've noticed is because of your great value and contributions to the organization and to this team. What I've noticed lately is how many people depend on you. When you talk about the request, it's not just the demands and the request of your specific role, but it seems as other people see your value, your knowledge, and are coming to you with requests also. Yes, I, I'm thinking that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing it. Uh, but when they come with the requests, I find it very, very difficult not to entertain their requests. I know sometimes it puts some of my deadlines and a bit of jeopardy, but then I, I, you know, I'll stay in after hours. I'll work at home. I find ways to catch up as it were, because I've not missed on any of my, um, on any of my deadlines, have I? No, I have really, I have no complaints about your work or meeting the deadlines, but something that you just said was, either working late or doing work at home. And you know that some of our company values are work-life balance. And I understand if there's a big project, how sometimes that can be pushed aside. But what I'm hearing you say, Dale, is this is a pretty regular request and situation. Yes. And while you feel like that you can handle it right now, and obviously you have, I'm looking at the long-term effect on you. And also, as you grow in your role, which will have more demands for your specific role, then how do you handle all that? So I'm I'm happy to hear that you are seeing this too. So share with me some thoughts that you have on how you can handle all these requests from your colleagues. I've been thinking about it, Rhonda. I'm a little afraid though, that if if I show up as saying no, or if I show up, they might not understand and it might spoil the relationship I have with them because we in so many ways depend on each other. I'm kind of afraid of saying no and what that might mean, as I said, you know, to our relationships. So how can I support you? What do you need from me and or the organization to help you with this? Because I I do see problems surfacing in the future. So I think it would be great for you to get a handle on it now. So what do you need? Well, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking that perhaps if you give me, give me a couple of weeks, let me, as it will do an assessment of the kind of requests that come through and from whom, and let's see what pattern there is in terms of those requests, who they come from, what they're about, and the timing as well, the timing of the month, you know, particularly, as I was saying, from the the, the accounts department. And um, perhaps then if I get some data, I could come back to you and we could look at it together and I could give you some 
then based on the data, give you some recommendations because it might be you see that one of the questions is, are they coming for, to me for things that basically they could do for themselves? In which case, perhaps what I could do with, with, with your agreement, of course, is that we could do maybe some sort of training session for them, some briefing in the areas that they tend to come with over and over. That's one suggestion that I'm thinking. And then secondly, we might even get, take some of that training, put it into some um, cheat sheets, you know, put them together, document it, put it on uh, in a shared space where when they, when they have the question, the first thing they go to is not necessarily to come to me for the answer, but they go there to get information. And the third thing I'm thinking is that perhaps I could practice myself saying the no, but, but to do that, I think I'd like to be able to point them to somewhere else. For example, the training that we do and the documentation that we provide rather than just simply saying, no, I can't help you. What do you think? Well, first of all, I want to make a confession because when I thought about this problem, the first thought I had was, how do I help Dell say no and push back for people to do their job? However, after listening to you and talking about really assessing what the different requests are, and is there a frequent common request that then uncovers maybe some training issues or other things that we need to work on within the organization, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think those are great steps. And I guess one thing I ask is, you mentioned several weeks, could this be done in two weeks? Yeah, I, I, I don't think, I don't see why not. Let me, let me take a stab at it. I'll do a log of the requests. I'll have a think about what has been happening recently. Yeah, let me put something together, come back to you um, in two weeks' time. Okay. As soon as we can, right? Come back to you in two weeks' time. And with some suggestions, though, I'm not just going back to you with the data. Um, and we'll see what it makes sense to do from there. Okay. So let's go ahead and get something on our calendar um, two weeks from today at two in the afternoon so that we're specific. We both have that deadline. It's specific. And yeah, then we can go from there. That'll change this conversation. So great. Anything else you want to share with me or you think I need to know as we wrap up? Well, I just want to say that I'm so relieved, actually, that you broached this subject with me. I've been thinking about it, you know, and um, I wasn't sure if I was ready to come to you as yet. So um, I really want to say thank you for opening up the conversation with me and for, yeah, being there to support. Thank me. you. We're always here to support. And if there's anything else that I'm missing, I hope that you will feel comfortable to come to me. So great. Thank you. I look forward to seeing this assessment and see what's going on. Thanks.
Yeah. Thank you, Rhonda. All right. That was great, Dale. Thank you. So let's deconstruct. Yeah, let's deconstruct. So what actually happened in that situation for you as the team member? What did that feel like for you? And let's talk about the different things that happened. Well, the big thing that I felt as team member was relief because I'd been puzzling a bit about it myself. And, and the other thing was that you helped me clarify exactly what was going on because you asked the questions. You helped me clarify at the time what was going on. And I hadn't thought about a solution. But what came up for me during the conversation was the thought, well, what if? What if I just collect some data and we could look at that together? Because it's no use going, going um, assuming that we know what's happening. We might be taking the wrong action and the solution might be a really easy one. Maybe we can use technology. We can train. And for me as the coach leader, really listening to you and not coming in with my predetermined fix for the problem that I was seeing by me staying really listening and staying engaged and what you were saying in the conversation, it opened my eyes to other possibilities that might be going on that I'm not aware of. I mean, this is a fairly big organization. So if I'm going to hire good people, I also have to trust that those good people can do their job and that trust and psychological safety that we talked about is one of the essentials is is present in our culture so that people can feel free to be open. Yeah, I, I think that just two things. I think that the relationship we had prior to the conversation helped because we've already got a pretty good um, relationship. One, we've had good conversations in the past. Therefore, I felt safe in this conversation with you. And um, the other, I felt listened to, I felt heard. The other thing that I appreciated was that right at the end, you became, your questioning became pretty specific around two weeks and we set a date. And I think that helped me as well, because really in, in a coaching conversation, you do want to end with something that's specific, a specific next action that's going to be taken so that you can measure whether there's progress being made or not. Yeah, I don't like things to be so vague and invasive and oh, we'll check in and, you know, two or three weeks go by. So I do. I think that specific date clarifying that really helps. And um, setting the context at the beginning that as the coaching leader, I didn't go in to attack mm that I opened with expressed my concern and what I've noticed and then asked you as my team member, what you were feeling or noticing so that we could get on the same page. And I hope that you didn't feel attacked or that you were in trouble or anything, which also leads to the trust and the psychological safety. No, I think the way you opened it, 
really exemplifies what we mean in step two by opening with trust and transparency so that the space is created in which the performer understands quite clearly what the deal is, what the conversation is about and what the intent behind the conversation is. I'm not in trouble here. What I have is an ally, a supporter in my leader. And we're going to have a chat about what's happening. So I think as far as our podcast is concerned today, Rhonda, that what we've outlined is the five steps, the five essential steps that we see to, that, that the leaders can use to power up their coaching conversations. And so what our challenge might be to our leaders who are listening is to listen to your coaching conversations from the lens of these five steps over the next period. Listen to them. See where you're truly coaching. See where your preparation, your opening, your listening and asking questions, your staying present and being engaged, your clarifying at the end. See where those are in place. And reach out to us. Reach out to us. Let us know what's one question related to coaching conversations and maybe particularly using these five steps that you would like us to answer or take a deep dive into in coming episodes of this podcast, you know where to find us. We're at www.conversationsforfearlessleaders.com. That's great. And something I would like to add, Dale, is if you try it, and for some reason it works, or even if it doesn't work, I'd love to hear that to see if there's something we can help you with. And you mentioned to take a look at their coaching conversations. Anytime that you do it and you think, and you reflect back on it and think, oh, I could have done that different. There is absolutely nothing wrong with going back and you going, remember that conversation we had? I've been thinking about it and there's some things that I think I did wrong or something else I would like to talk about. That's completely acceptable and something I encourage people to do just because it didn't happen right the first time doesn't mean that it cannot be revisited. So again, let us know at Dale said at Conversations for Fearless Leaders. And we'll see you in the next episode.